There is no greater power in the world to transform lives than the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what I want to say today. But I'm going to do it in a little different way because this parable today, the parable of the sower, deserves to be heard in a little different way. I had an experience on Friday, which God does in my life. He causes things to go out of control for a little while that I cannot handle. And it's always for a reason. It's always because I need to pay a little better attention to him and not on the crazy things that were happening. And what happened to me is I spent most of last week on the east coast of the U.S. visiting relatives. And my trip back to Houston on Friday was a total zoo. It's crazy. I wound up uh, getting boarded on one plane and a storm hit, and they deplaned us for two more hours, which caused me to miss my connection in the next place in order to get to Houston. When I got to my next stop, for some reason, we had another delay, and so we didn't even leave the gate for an hour after we were supposed to, and then we were pushed back onto the tarmac, and we sat there for another two hours while there was no air conditioning on board the plane. And, you know, I could feel my blood pressure. I've got a new watch now that lets me monitor my blood pressure. So it was going up. Then I realized, God is saying, Steve, you need to think a little bit. And so I did. And I realized that some of the most important friends I've had in my life, and I'll talk about them a lot during my time here, because they were people who taught me at another parish, and they were dead. Let that sink in. They were dead people. Now, they weren't exactly biologically dead. They were de dead in every other way you can think of. They were dead spiritually. They were dead to their families. They were dead to their jobs. They were dead to being productive citizens. Some of them were dead to their freedom and wound up spending time in jail. All because of addictions that had taken over their lives. And once they came in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and found that he had a way for them to live, and they finally were able to kick the addictions through him, oh, they tried multiple ways to stop. And they did everything except stop. It's like people who are trying to find ways to pray. And they're always finding ways to pray, but they never pray. Go get a manual on how to pray and read it, memorize it, and study it. And get really good in mastering the methods, and, but never do it. It's like one of the, the other Protestant denominations in the world that I know a lot about spent the decade of the 90s called the decade of evangelism. Boy, we had, we had seminars, and I'm sure Father Blick told you about them. Had seminars, they had workshops on evangelism, they had uh, quiet days on evangelism, they had lectures on evangelism, they had a, committees on evangelization, they had over and over, and the decade went by, and we just never did any of it. But boy, we had a lot of meetings. These men that were dead identified themselves as dead people. 
Father Steve, it's not to meet you. I'm dead. What he meant, they meant was they're as good as dead. It was the transformative power of the Lord Jesus Christ that brought them back from death. They were totally worthless in the eyes of the world and their own families and to themselves. And they knew it. And so, I mentioned them because Jesus saved them. They were, had lived lives that were hard. They had lived lives where they were stoned all the time. They had lived lives among the, the rocks and among the thorns of life. They knew all about aberrant or worthless living. But Jesus found them because he always finds us. No one is a throwaway person in this world or a castaway person. Everyone has value. Everyone has the spark of life in them that only God can give. And sometimes we forget that when we see someone who is in the wrong place at the wrong time for the wrong reasons, doing the wrong things. So I thought about the dead friends that I had and how Jesus rescued them. I thought about one of the most depressing sociological studies I ever read in my life when I was in grad school the second, third, third time, I guess it was, and I was getting an a advanced degree in psychology. There was a sociologist, uh, Carl Anderson and Johns Hopkins, who studied 790 uh, school students from Baltimore, Maryland, picked from, picked at random from 20 different schools in Baltimore. And he followed those 790 students for 23 years, seeing what was going to happen to them. And they were from all socioeconomic levels, and no one had ever done that, mu that advanced a study, ever. Now, people had followed children for a couple of years, but not for 23 years. And so over that time, he came up with some very disturbing conclusions. And it, it made me angry when I found out that that's what happened. You know, you hear all the time that anyone can come out of whatever condition you're in. And that's true, but only with the help of Jesus, which was not part of the study. And so what he found out in this 23-year study was those who are in poverty, born into poverty, no matter what race, no, doesn't matter, those who are born into a life of poverty, only 4% of them are able to come out of it. The other 96% stay there. And when I came across that, I said, they're leaving something out of this. They're leaving out the transformative power and the love and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ who doesn't want anyone to be lost. And this parable today shows that. The parable of the sower. It's so important because it's the only one of about 30 parables where Jesus tells us what it means. And so He said a sower goes out to sow. Now, in first century Galilee, uh, the type of seed that was sown. Somebody said, well, it was corn. No, corn was from Mesoamerica. <laughs> Sorry, it didn't get over there until after Columbus. It was probably grain, wheat, or barley. 
The sower goes out and throws, casting. And, and, and it's in three Gospels. It's also in the apocryphal Gospel of Thomas. I read that last night, too. It only has one little detail that's different than these. Uh, but the, the sower goes out, casting the seed. And some of it lands on soil that's hard, hard soil that's used for a pathway, tramped down. And because it's exposed on this hard soil, the birds come and eat it. And some of the soil goes over into the rocky ground, and it takes root, but it can't uh, take a deep enough root, so when the sun comes out and, and bakes it, it dies. Some of it goes among the thorns, the weeds, and the weeds grow up and choke it. And yes, some of it goes on good soil. And that seed flourishes and grows and produces a great harvest, which is what we are all supposed to do. We are to create and grow a harvest of righteousness and compassion and mercy for the Lord Jesus. And, and because he wants all of us to do that, no one is left out. It struck me as I had time on that boiling hot airplane how it's almost scandalous how generous God is to cast seed knowing that it's going to go into places that are going to have trouble. Jesus explains in his explanation of this parable that the sower... There's only one person who sows the seeds. That's the Lord God Almighty, His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the sower. And the seed that He sows is the seed of the gospel. So we know that the sower is Himself is good, merciful, compassionate. And the seed is good seed. It's not bad seed. And the soil is basically all the same, except for what's in it. And he says that the things that are in that soil are the things that draw us to the earth, make us worry about things. Uh, the evil one is on, on the watch to take it from us. And it's shocking to me that it says that the, the evil one comes and takes away what had been sown in their heart. But if it didn't have a good foundation, the evil one's waiting. And the ones that are on the path, the, the bird that comes and gets it, that's the evil one. That's Satan waiting to snatch it away. The weeds that he says that grow up, the thorns, are, are too, we concern too much with the things of this world. And our concern and our worries grow up and choke the word out. But it's his intention that we all grow. And it struck me that what is left out of all these sociological studies and all these uh, stories that say that people who are lifetime addicts don't have any future at all, they're missing the point that we have in our lives, in our faith, that says that the Lord Jesus Christ loves every single one of us and the seed that he casts so extravagantly of the gospel is meant for all. Because he wants all of us to grow and mature and have our harvest of righteousness and compassion and mercy that we can share with others. The only detail that the Gospel of Thomas, which we're not really sure whether that's uh, written by Thomas the Apostle or not, but uh, the only little detail is that there's a worm in there that when the, when the plant uh, is baked by the sun and dies, a worm comes and eats it. 
Now, that's a, a, an important detail too because once we stray from the path that he has for us, we're in trouble when we forget that he is with us every minute. He has given us good seed in us, his own spirit within us. At the 11 o'clock mass, I'm going to baptize two children. And we're going to remind ourselves that what they are given at baptism is good and holy. And it's meant to, to grow and blossom into a life that produces goodness and holiness and righteousness. That sociological survey from Baltimore, all it did was look at the negative things that happened to people. The ones, the, the children who died before they got out of high school. Those who wound up in prison before they got out of high school. Those who started having babies when they were 13 and 14 years old. It looked at what happened to lives that aren't given an opportunity to know the love and the mercy and the compassion of the Lord Jesus. And that brings it right back to me and to you. Our mission in this world is to take what we have been given what are we going to get at this Mass today? The power of the Holy Spirit, the body and blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord Jesus, a communion of faithful people to support us. We are to take those into the world and share it. Share all of it, especially with children, by being kind and merciful and compassionate just as the Lord has been kind and merciful and compassionate to us. Remember that the seed He cast actually got to people who were already dead in their own minds. Those drug addicts and alcoholics who had wasted away their entire lives still had the seed of the gospel waiting for them within them. They just needed to be nurtured by someone to remind them to turn to Jesus. Don't turn to the bottle. Don't turn to the needle. Don't turn to this. Turn to Jesus. He is alive in us and within us. Let's take him into the world and make a difference so that there's nobody, nobody that we come across that we don't smile at, that we don't say a kind word to, that we don't lend a compassionate, listening ear. And when we have the opportunity to mention the name of Jesus, if you want to know the answer to all of this, the answer is not a thing, it's not a method, it's not some program to follow or a workshop, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. He's right here with us. Can you see him? I can.